0: Hi, welcome to the Romance Me podcast. This is Erica. And I'm M. We'd like to say a special hello
1: to our number one and only fan. Squeak and Squirrel have hidden the crochet ball you made. I can't find it. It's probably with my 20 or so missing socks
0: that they have taken. RIP, orange ball. You know, someone's gonna think you're speaking in code. <laughs> not illuminati confirmed well i wouldn't say confirmed i will say not denied that sounds like something someone in the illuminati would say
1: it's an orange ball it's an orange crocheted ball mm-hmm. i'd show it to you but it's missing <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's what you'd like us to think today we'll be discussing real men knit by Kwana jackson After his mother unexpectedly passes away, Jesse is determined to keep her knitting shop open in spite of his brother's doubts that he can be successful. His lifelong friend, Carrie, agrees to help him with learning to run the business despite her lifelong crush on him. As they work together to save the shop, they discover that their shared past and current passions are strong and lasting. There will be spoilers beyond this point.
1: So, Erica, what's the state of Strong Knits when the story starts?
0: At the beginning of the story, we learn that Strong Knits is a knitting shop in Harlem that is owned by, I guess, kind of like a fixture of the community, a woman named Mama Joy. And that Mama Joy has recently passed away, and so the shop has been closed. We're not really sure if it's going to be able to reopen or not.
1: Yeah, the brothers have to get together to decide if they want to sell or keep the business going and they actually live above the business which may or may not be uncommon in new york i have no idea
0: mama joy adopted four boys despite their differences they all kind of have similar pasts you know coming from foster care and group homes and stuff like that and mama joy created a family for these kids now that she's gone the boys have to meet And discuss whether or not the shop is going to stay open.
1: And kind of decide if they want to stay a family,
0: right? Kind of. Because it's implied that that Mama Joy is is the glue in their family. While they see each other as brothers, they all have their own personal things going on now that they're adults except really jesse who is the hero of the story he's really
1: the only one who
0: consistently lives at home yeah and he's kind of just like a fuck boy i guess <laughs> kind of you may want to specify what kind of fuck boy he is jesse has a reputation for being good with the ladies but not good enough to stay in relationships or really he doesn't want to be in relationships i suppose And he has a reputation for not sticking things out. Like, he's good at getting jobs, but he doesn't really keep jobs. He doesn't really commit to things or people. Commitment-phobe. And then Carrie, the heroine in the story, she is a childhood friend of the brothers, especially Jesse, because they're the same age. But they all kind of treat her like almost like a sister sort of person. And she started going to Mama Joy's shop when she was a kid. Much to the chagrin of her mother. And Mama Joy kind of adopted her too, even though Carrie still had a mom. Mama Joy was kind of like her second mother. Yeah, she took her under her wing, showed her how to knit. And Carrie started out just going to the shop, going to knitting classes and knitting groups and things like that, and eventually transitioned into working there part-time. Carrie, now that she's 27, she now has completed her degree in children's counseling and art therapy, and she's looking for full-time gainful employment. But in the meantime, she works part-time at the local community center doing art classes, and part-time at Strong Knits. At the start of the story, it's kind of like right after the funeral, I guess, like the next day. Yeah, it seems very recent after. Because Carrie comes to the shop and lets herself in because she has a key, and there's food left out everywhere from the reception after the funeral and people having brought food over for the boys and all this. And she's just kind of cleaning up and grumbling to herself, But on the other hand, worrying because she doesn't really know what's going to happen with the shop. And the shop has kind of been a fixture in the community. It's been a place for people to go to escape because not only are they going to knit or whatever, but there's like this, it's almost like the shop is a character in the story, I guess. Yeah, I think that that may have been
1: intended by the writer.
0: Like a safe haven. So she's worried about that too. Like what is going to happen to the shop? But while she's cleaning up, it wakes Jesse up because Jesse's sleeping in the home upstairs and he comes down with the baseball bat, <laughs> but then discovers it's Carrie and he's just like, oh, why are you here so early?
1: Yes, because good girl Carrie is cleaning up the mess. It's so tricky with a quote-unquote good character, I think, because part of what makes a quintessential good character interesting is the struggle that they have to stay good.
0: I think Carrie is struggling to be her own person. She's been, you know, she's had this goal that she's been working toward this whole time of getting her degree, getting gainfully employed somewhere, and getting out of harlem essentially well yeah and to be seen as an adult but she doesn't necessarily want that like now that it's close now that it's almost achieved she's looking at what she could be leaving behind and doesn't want to No, she's getting cold feet but while carrie and jesse are having their little conversation like why are you here so early etc the other brothers show up to discuss what's going to happen with the shop and carrie kind of just goes in the other room and does the whole don't mind me i know i'm not part of the family i'm just here to help out right now So there's the four brothers, there's Jesse, who's the youngest, there's Damien, who's the oldest, and then there's Lucas and Noah, and they're all adopted brothers. They were all adopted by Mama Joy when they were in elementary school, and Lucas and Noah are genetically half brothers, but otherwise, they're all from very different uh, racial backgrounds and stuff like that. Damien really wants to, I don't know if he wants to, but he's really pushing to close the shop.
1: Well, yeah, cuz he feels like they all have things to go do. Nobody really wants to run the shop, he assumes.
0: Yeah, he assumes. But it turns out that, that Jesse wants to run the shop.
1: Yeah, Damien's dubious because he knows Jesse's history. Yeah,
0: Damien doesn't think that Jesse is going to stick with it and do a good job. And so Jesse's trying to argue for his side. You know, this is what Mama Joy would have wanted. This is our home. This is the place where, where we became family. We should keep it. And Damien's arguing his side, which is we could sell it. We kind of need the money, he's heavily implying.
1: Yeah, because apparently bills were not... I think they were getting paid. It's just there's not enough money in the bank to cover like next month's rent.
0: I don't know. It's a little not specified. At the beginning of the story, Damien says... They need the money, but he doesn't really specify why.
1: Do you think Damien's protecting Mama Joy in that moment? Like trying to not divulge all of her financial secrets? Because he's the tax guy. Like he's a CPA or whatever. So
0: I'm not sure because when he does divulge towards the end of the story that Mama Joy took out a home equity loan that is due... he claims he just learned about it as well Hmm. i don't know how much he would know as the tax guy and how much mama joy was would be able to keep on the dl so what are luke and noah's opinions on selling or not selling they're torn i think because both damien and jesse are just at each other's throats over it and i think they kind of just want them to be peaceful and brothers um and they want whichever answer will get that (laughs) But at any rate, Carrie at this point interrupts and says she will put her life on hold and be willing to help Jesse reopen the shop so he knows how to do it and what's going on and everything before she moves on to find her full-time employment. And so because Carrie, who has worked at this shop and knows how things are done and has a reputation for being good and responsible, Damien relents and says, okay, fine. You can give it a try. That was essentially why I thought he changed his mind.
1: Yeah, probably, because he trusts Carrie. I don't think he wants to be the quote-unquote bad guy. I think he's just... Trying to do the responsible thing which puts him at odds with Jesse and to
0: a certain extent Carrie. I think the issue between Damien and Jesse is that Damien has quote-unquote escaped his past as far as we know. And gone to school and found gainful employment and lives in, you know, in the city. Is doing well for himself whereas Jesse has never really committed to anything. Yeah, it's,
1: it's sort of like Damien's gone on to assume the mantle of adulthood and jesse's still kind of struggling with that it seems or aspects of that you're with your siblings or people you knew when you were certainly high school age definitely younger you sort of revert to a more immature version of yourself and that's exactly what the brothers do that's true and they know what buttons to push and they push them so especially if damien's like trying to be like no no i'm
0: a mature adult
1: It's really hard to do that when you've got other people that treat you like the
0: child that you were. Right. And that's kind of implied in the text also that Jesse knows Damien's background and Damien doesn't like that. No, he doesn't. (laughs) Oh, we also get introduced to Errol at this point two Errol is one of the kids who came to knitting classes at the store he is a pretty shy kid he's adorable yeah he's really cute he came to the store while it was closed to one offer condolences and two could someone help me fix my knit (laughs) yes he needs assistance (laughs) I messed it up he's learning Yeah, and Carrie helps him out and stuff, but he pops up throughout the story. Yeah, I really liked Errol's contributions to the story. (laughs) That night, one of Jesse's slings, I guess, shows up at the shop, like invites herself over for a booty call. Her name is Erica, and she starts out, (laughs) I I know. It's so weird to read
1: character names in the story when you know someone with that name.
0: Well, it's especially weird because it's Erica spelt the same way I spell my name. <laughs> yeah. too. Erica with a K. So, yeah. But at any rate, Erica shows up for a booty call. And Jesse, because he's kind of just sad and alone and lonely, lets her in and lets her take advantage of that, I guess. It's a grief fuck. And he gets drunk and they, yeah, and they have sex and whatever. And he figures she left, but she didn't. And she ended up spending the night. So then the next day, Carrie shows up to start helping Jesse sort things out. And Erica is still there. And she comes downstairs. And she's got like this, I don't really know. She's kind of like territorial, I guess.
1: Yeah, I wish her motives had been a little more explored in the story. I gave her motives. Yeah, I'm not but sure what her deal I is. I mean, that was me filling things in and... Not necessarily relying on what was provided. I mean, Carrie's annoyed with
0: her at some points. And then she also pities her too. Carrie has really low expectations for Jesse because of Jesse's reputation as the type of person that sleeps around. And she knows he doesn't really have relationships. And so she knows the place Erica has in Jesse's life. Even if Erica doesn't know it. (laughs) Yes. It kind of feels to me like Erica's angling... To become more of a full-time thing.
1: I guess I was just curious why because like she's described in the story as essentially glitz and glamour. Inexpensive glitz and glamour. It made me kind of wonder like especially with what I assume are the rumors that the boys are gonna sell the shop like is she thinking jesse's gonna come into an inheritance
0: i don't know we don't know there's no textual evidence for her motives at all
1: we don't because it it never really is resolved in that sort
0: of way no it's not
1: because even at the end of the story eric is still kind of around
0: she's just basically there to make carrie feel jealous yeah <laughs> even though i don't think carrie does feel jealous no carrie pities her
1: yeah, it, it, she doesn't necessarily have to be looking for financial gain. It could be that she genuinely has feelings for Jesse who doesn't return her affection.
0: It's entirely possible. You get the impression that all of the women that Jesse has hung out with over the years have probably wanted more from him than he was willing to give. Yeah. So it's very one-sided These one night stands, I think. I think for Jesse, it's just, yep, I'm gonna use you and leave you. And the women are like, oh, but it'll be different with me. The pattern says no. (laughs) There was a description part of Erica, though, that was really funny. Because Erica is wearing open-toed shoes or Mm -hmm. sandals or something. And she has rhinestones glued on her toes.
1: She has diamonds almost on the soles of her shoes
0: and (laughs) carrie keeps going back to it like claw-footed erica erica with the heavy toes those toes probably tore up the sheets on the bed you know like just these toes are our character
1: yeah they get a lot of description time
0: But while Carrie and Erica are having like this very awkward conversation um, where Carrie's like, I'm here to work. Why are you here? And Erica's like, I'm here because Jesse and I have a thing that you're not part of. Jesse comes downstairs and he's surprised that Erica's still there. He says, I thought you left last night. Why are you still here?
1: (laughs) And At one point, doesn't he try to look at Carrie to like help? Help me, bail me out. And and Carrie's like, no, you made this situation. Enjoy. Yeah, Carrie is like, this isn't my problem at all. (laughs) Jesse, you want to take out the trash? Oh, Erica, would you like to join him?
0: Yeah, well, while um, Jesse's walking her out, uh, Noah shows up, one of the brothers, and he's like, why is Erica here? And Carrie says, oh, she was here to give her condolences all night long. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say. <laughs> because both Lucas and Noah are there and and Noah says, condolences, huh? Lucky you. She definitely looked condolence-ready in that little black dress. I swear I don't know how you do it. You get condolences that look like that, and all I get is pound cake and countless prayer hands on the gram. (laughs) What are y'all talking about? Lucas asked as he entered the shop. Jesse, getting condoled all night long by Erica Taylor. (laughs) And then Lucas says, I'm sure there are worse ways to grieve. (laughs) And then... She has like this moment where she's thinking she'd had her fill of talk of Jesse getting condoled by heavy toed, long legged Erica. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. (laughs) Poor Erica Taylor. I know, I feel kind of sorry for her. I do, like, I genuinely feel bad. The problem with Erica being there and everyone now knowing about it is that this just is more evidence. That Jesse isn't serious. Right. Whereas Jesse, he was kind of taken advantage of by Erica. Erica showed up when he was lonely and sad and grieving and he just kind of let her in.
1: Yeah, but he's lonely and sad and grieving. I don't feel bad for either of them. I feel like they both got what they needed. Yeah. You know, somebody may have wanted to continue, but.
0: Well, I think because he was feeling sad and and everything and alone i think it was easy for him to fall into his old pattern because she was there and willing yeah He wanted the dopamine release. But he wasn't necessarily seeking it out at that point. And he tries to reassert this to Carrie that I am serious and I do want to work hard and get this done. Yeah, okay, buddy. But it's fine. They're working on getting the shop set up. They decide, or Jesse decides really, that they should do a small renovation, an inexpensive renovation to put a new face on the shop and hopefully get more business coming in than just the regular. Carrie is all about that. She thinks that's a great idea.
1: Which it is.
0: And they get some good work done. And we find out, I think around this point, which was surprising for me, that Jesse has had feelings for Carrie, like for a long ass time too. I was a little surprised at that as well. Because we start out knowing Carrie has like these feelings for Jesse and she doesn't act on them or do anything about them because she knows how he is. Yeah, which makes sense. But she has them, you know, (laughs) But then we find out Jesse also has these feelings and never acted on them or did anything about them either. It was surprising to me, I think, because at the beginning of the story especially, there's a lot of, oh, Carrie isn't the same little girl that she used to be. She's a woman now at 27, the same age Jessie is.
1: Yeah, she sort of bulks at her nickname of Carrie Girl.
0: At the same time, it's kind of weird too because she and Jesse are the same age. They're, they went to school together, and but he's still thinking of her as a little girl sometimes, but then realizing she's not. But she She grew up alongside him.
1: I don't know. It's confusing because you'd think if they saw each other regularly, it wouldn't be an all of a sudden thing. It would make more sense if they had spent a significant amount of time apart and then were getting reintroduced.
0: And it could be, too, that Carrie is coming out of her shell more now that Mama Joy is gone. She does. She acts as like a mediator when the
1: boys, particularly Jesse and Damien, start bickering.
0: So it could be partly that as well. She's calling attention to herself more just by virtue of speaking up.
1: Yeah, it would have made more sense to me if through the course of the story, like, he
0: saw her anew you know? I feel like the author didn't take a very strong stance on exactly what Jesse's thoughts about Carrie were initially. No, I
1: don't think she did either. Was she
0: the little sister? Was she uh, unrequited love? Was she a woman on a pedestal? Unachievable? I don't know. She's a combo. A combo type of girl. <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't know if Carrie knows who she is sort of at the start of the story either no but that makes more sense i guess yeah because she's in a period of transition and she doesn't know where she fits in with The strong brothers they're they're sort of family to her but she doesn't know if they will continue to be her family like her graduation pictures right up on the wall next to theirs that kind of thing
0: so jesse gets an invitation out from his friends craig and ziggy to go to birds which is like a wings slash bar type place while he's there he sees that carrie is also at the bar with her friend val i love val who carrie works with um val is very much like you go get them, girl yeah
1: she's very <laughs> encouraging and supportive
0: <laughs> val got carrie all dressed up and they both went to the bar and they're getting uh, hit on by a very persistent pair of guys who just won't take no for an answer mm. And Jesse sees this. He heads over there and acts like, oh, they're with his group. And kind of acts like Carrie's his his woman also. But he gets the guys to back off. They end up eating dinner with them. And then Val heads off to have a little fling with Craig, one of Jesse's friends, which sadly wasn't good for her. We learn. Poor Val. Uh, Carrie goes home alone carrie's living in her rent-controlled apartment that she lives in with her mother or that she shares with her mother but her mother's off living with her current love interest the mother isn't really in the story except that carrie thinks about her sometimes i guess yeah, she's
1: mentioned she's not really
0: a full-fledged character but while carrie is in the shower reliving the events of the evening and how she has mixed feelings about jesse staking a fake claim on her um there's An explosion (laughs) and water starts gushing everywhere, and the electricity goes off and on. It's the apocalypse. Jesse's brother Lucas, (laughs) who is a firefighter, comes to the door and says that they're evacuating the building and she needs to leave the building and get enough stuff for the night. And so Carrie gets dressed really quick, packs a quick bag, and heads downstairs. And she's trying to figure out where she's going to go for the night. When Jesse shows up, it turns out Lucas called him and said, "Hey, Carrie needs help." And so Jesse shows up and says, "You should come stay with me at my house." And Carrie kind of gets pushed into it because her neighbor is concerned about Carrie spending the night in the in the emergency housing or whatever.
1: <laughs> yeah, so Carrie essentially relents and goes with Jesse,
0: <sighs> and it's awkward because Jesse gives her damien's room because damien is the one who doesn't spend very much time there at all plus it's the neatest and they keep calling his room a glorified closet and i guess this is really where the story like where the romantic tension sexual tension or whatever builds a bit because now they're in close quarters
1: yes they're under one roof living and
0: working together it's around this point too that they learn that there is a loan on the shop they really do need to open quickly and get a lot of customers and a lot of money so they can pay off this loan. Carrie decides that she's going to start a social media campaign while they're doing some of the renovation work. The brothers are painting and Carrie starts taking pictures and doing hashtag real men knit. Kind of going into it with the mentality that sex sells in a way. Taking advantage of the fact that these hot guys own this knitting shop. <laughs> I guess. Look come buy your yarn here because hot guys work here. Yes. <laughs> So we find
1: out later, towards the end of the story, that these pictures that she's posting online had started generating some negative attention because of Jesse's promiscuity. And I honestly wish that that had been woven into the story earlier and sort of wished it was almost like a scarlet letter sort of thing. That would have been more
0: interesting than what we had.
1: That should have happened earlier, and then he could have had, like, a redemptive moment. Like, no, no, I'm really not that way. And then Carrie could have believed in him, and all of that.
0: He does He does kind of have, like, this redemptive sort of thought, I guess, at one point when he decides that he's going to go around and apologize to all the women he pumped and dumped. Yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> he calls it the sorry I was a shithead tour. Yeah. Yeah, it just, that didn't feel like sufficient contrition. No, and it seems weird too. Like, it's hard for me to relate. If I had a one night stand with a guy who I hoped it would be more, I don't know that I'd be creeping him on Instagram and writing nasty things about him. And if he showed up to apologize for not calling me, I'd probably feel weirded out.
1: Yeah, but I think it just... (laughs) Why are
0: these women just so caught up in him? Like, they're just not over him
1: i don't know at all
0: he's that good but i don't know why he's that good i don't get i don't ever get a sense of why all these women are falling over themselves to be with him i don't
1: know why it's not pointed out in the story that the women couldn't have just used him for a one night stand so when he shows up like i'm so sorry you'd be like it's fine
0: dude <laughs> oh it's you what is your name again
1: Because, I mean, at some point, if he has that reputation and it's a close-knit community, kind of know what you're getting into, hopefully, maybe.
0: Yeah, you would think so. You'd be like, well, you're
1: experienced. That's awesome. Let's go have some fun. All right. Bye.
0: Yeah, what is the story saying about women and how they feel about relationships yeah. and sex and stuff?
1: I guess the story just assumes that women are a lot more emotionally invested because that's the societal expectation.
0: It's around this time too that Carrie kind of gets convinced by Val to put the moves on Jesse. Val is saying, oh you're living with him now? Well girl you better dress up and show off your assets and let me cut your shorts extra short. Val's and, an
1: instigator I like
0: Val. <laughs> you know you finally <laughs> (laughs) get you some (laughs) eventually carrie is like okay maybe i will and so she she does she initiates and kisses him
1: yeah because she doesn't want to be perceived as you know who she thinks this carrie girl is that they think she is she's
0: like no i'm a
1: grown woman if
0: i If I want
1: to have a kiss, if I want to have sex, then I will go get those things.
0: And of course, Jesse reciprocates, but he's thinking to himself, like, this is wrong. I'm defiling her or something. He has her on this pedestal. She's this unattainable girl. They get interrupted by one of the brothers. So it doesn't proceed beyond the making out. And Carrie is kind of perturbed. I think Jesse's (laughs) kind of relieved because he was going to continue and actually have sex with her but he was also going to feel bad about it. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It's like... Dude, if you don't want to have sex you can stop, you know. You can
1: say no. <laughs> You're allowed to stop. I think Carrie is the kind of character <laughs> that would be okay with that. I mean, her feelings would be hurt, but she'd be fine.
0: She would respect Yeah,
1: it. I think she would. I mean, she's supposed to be the yeah virtuous female character. I mean, she'd be a
0: little like, okay, well that's not where I thought this was going, but it's fine. And the next day uh, Jesse makes her breakfast, which mm-hmm. is really sweet, but he also tries to hold her at arm's length like okay so that kiss that was bad we should not do this which is not sweet Carrie decides that she's gonna go for round two <laughs> she is undeterred <laughs> So I don't know if it's like the next day or a few days later or whatever, but she's still living there because her apartment is currently uninhabitable, unsafe. (laughs) And she's like, I'm going to try this again. And so she does. She initiates again. They don't get interrupted and they end up having sex on Damien's sheets, which Damien later finds out about
1: and is very (laughs) upset
0: about. Oh, poor Damien. Unreasonably so, I think. Life is rough for him. (laughs) Because, of course, the next day, in the morning, after they have sex, they wake up in Damien's bed to the brothers just popping in. Because it's sort of their house, too. It's very sitcom though. Like, hi, everyone's here. Yeah, it is. All the time. But Carrie tells Jesse that she's fine with it. Like, she's fine with it being just a friends with benefits type thing. When it's over, it's fine when it's over.
1: She has low expectations. She might hope otherwise but she is keeping
0: her expectations low yeah and jesse takes her at her word that she doesn't have any feelings involved although he has feelings and she has feelings but no one shares their feelings because they
1: also assume that the other person for whatever reason just doesn't have feelings even if you're indifferent to someone's feelings you assume that they have them i know i can hear the
0: enthusiasm all the way over here Some time passes, the run gets done, they get ready to do the grand opening, and when they do it, it's super successful. The knitting group that always goes there even puts out a donation box and they each donate, like the people in the group donate money. Yeah, Mama Joy's friends. Yeah, the old knitting gang. They all donate money to go toward the loan because of course they know about it. Because it wasn't kept secret from them. (laughs) It's a success. Carrie is basically, okay, my job here is done. Goodbye. She goes back to her job at the community center where she gets offered full-time employment there, which is kind of what she said she wanted at the beginning of the story. Yeah, she just didn't think it was attainable. And she takes the job. She stops talking to Jesse. Jesse stops talking to her. And they go on with their lives, except they don't because they're both thinking about each other. (laughs) Yes. And I think it's like a week later... Or something like that there there's some sort of presentation at the community center and as a local business owner the strong boys jesse and co show up to do a presentation at the end of their presentation jesse professes his love publicly to carrie and then carrie's like okay good i love you too <laughs> the end <laughs> i don't know <laughs> did i miss anything is there anything you wanted to say about the story or the plot Sorry, I'm laughing. I mean, there is, okay, there is the through thread of Errol, which is nice because he's the little kid who he's getting picked on for having a, a quote, girly hobby. Yeah,
1: I liked the Errol storyline.
0: And Jesse kind of sticks up for him. During the presentation at the community center, Errol is there and some of the bullies are also there. One of the bully boys says, oh, look, Errol, it's those boy knitters like you. And Jesse smiles and says, yes, it's us, those boy knitters. Sexy, huh? I'd also like to introduce my fellow boy knitter and firefighter, my brother
1: Lucas.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then he says, and I'd like to introduce another boy knitter, man knitter, Damien interrupted, and certified CPA, Damien added. (laughs) So even at this point, Damien's like, you must take me seriously. (laughs) Respect my authority. (laughs) And one of the girls says, but can you knit?
1: (laughs) She is skeptical.
0: But anyway, you get the impression that Errol is going to maybe not get teased as much because dudes who get girls also knit. Yes. So I'd like to talk a little bit about the writing style. Um, This story was a particularly slow burn, which normally is fine. But I think in this case, everything that we learned about happened in the characters' heads. Yeah. Like very little of the events in the story are events that we get to see. Instead, we get to see what the character thought about them. Yeah. I think a major example of this is the bar scene, where Jesse's out with his friends, he sees Carrie getting hit on, and it looks like she doesn't want to be, and he heads over there. And I expected the next chapter to be a scene where whatever happened, happens. Yeah. Right? But instead, we get a scene where Carrie's in the shower remembering what happened, and thinking about it. And it felt like this happened a lot.
1: Yeah, it makes the story (laughs) its self feel very passive.
0: It does. It feels very much like this story is just a bunch of thoughts.
1: I must admit, like earlier in the story when they were talking about like renovations, I was like, okay, so there's gonna be some renovations. And I think the only renovation that I can remember happening was that they painted.
0: Yeah, they painted and they sorted the yarn. Yeah, the inventory. Oh, and they knitted little hats. Okay. And they decorated the tree. They made a yarn tree.
1: You know what I mean? Like when I thought renovation, I was thinking like, okay, like a construction project.
0: Yeah. Or something. Literally anything.
1: Yeah. I know we talked about like Damien's the quote unquote (laughs) bad guy with the whole, hey, the bank is going to take the property. But like, I think the only time it really manifests other than Damien going, hey, bank is when I think they get like one letter. (laughs) I'm like, that's a very not proactive bank. It sounds like it felt like it needed a sense of time. Like we have to get these funds by this time or this bad thing will happen. And there wasn't really a sense of that so it also made it made the pace feel slower because it didn't feel like the story was building to something like you know it's a romance you know it's building towards the characters getting together but there wasn't that much of a of a tearing apart of the characters of carrie and jesse
0: no they just basically stopped seeing each other because carrie said i don't have any expectations from you and then she no longer had to live there because her apartment got fixed and so she stopped living there and then they stopped stopped having sex and
1: so i know like jesse i guess goes on <laughs> like a personal journey i guess i mean he finishes mama joy's last project and then gives it to carrie so all those girls that had crushes on him like gave him projects so this is the only one that he made for someone else it has that significance i think it's very tricky to have a A modern story. And by modern, I just mean a story with relatively modern conveniences.
0: A contemporary story?
1: Yeah. And have it be a slower pace. Because, like, if you read a historical story, you almost expect it to be slower because they didn't have cars they didn't have telephone you know like you expect the development of of characters and events to happen at a slower pace but especially with a contemporary story i expect things to happen faster because of technology and machinery <laughs> and things so it feels very weird when there isn't that sort of speedy sense of time in some regard or time related tension
0: yeah in, in a sense it's realistic Uh, The way the story is told, I could see it happening, like these events unfolding the way they did, but it wasn't particularly interesting for me to read about because there was no sense of urgency.
1: No, I mean, I enjoyed like the interaction with the brothers and I especially enjoyed the banter between Val and Carrie. Basically anything with Val, I was happy.
0: Val was very fun.
1: I I love those interactions. They felt very realistic to me. I think the dialogue was was done very well, was written very well, and, and narrated and performed very well by Keylor Lee. I just feel like the scenes maybe were a little long, you know? which which was realistic but problematic because like you were saying they don't they they weren't building to anything in particular
0: i'm not sure exactly what it is because the characters they don't feel flat they feel like people no they feel genuine and i think the author does a good job at writing diverse characters you know they're not all the same they all have personalities (laughs) yeah i loved
1: val i loved noah I love Damien. They were probably my favorites.
0: I think we get a really good sense of place, too. And Errol there's a really good sense of the theme of family throughout like what is family yeah. especially found family you know i i think that all those things were really good it's just we were in carrie's head and jesse's head in the whole story and not out in the world and the stuff in their head wasn't very exciting
1: and i mean it's in the past tense and you know it's like this is what happened last night not this is what's happening now
0: i i kind of would prefer prefer to have some room for interpretation for the reader about what the character is thinking or how they're feeling based on how they react or what they say versus knowing what they're thinking at all times
1: yeah i think it's it's perfectly okay to leave some things to the reader's imagination because then it also lets the reader wonder if they're right about things and tune in to find out.
0: And I think it helps some with building tension too. I think the fact that we knew that Carrie was into Jesse and Jesse was into Carrie just killed any tension that could have built because we knew that they both cared about each other like there was no uncertainty on the part of the reader it could have even
1: been told more through carrie's point of view to where again we know carrie likes jesse but maybe jesse had a crush on her when they were younger but something happened like he overheard carrie say something and assumed she didn't like him and so since he's so quick to reject or something i don't know
0: is there anything else you wanted to touch on
1: i really enjoyed the performance by keylor lee who did the narration for real men knit her strongest portrayals were val and the kids and i really like how she did noah as well
0: i think this is the type of story that maybe would have benefited from me listening to it rather than reading it like maybe i would have gotten more out of it
1: maybe i mean i really like how she captured every character's quirks and personality Yeah, they're wonderful characters. That was one of the things that I like most about the story.
0: Definitely. I think another thing, too, that the author didn't do was tie things up at the end very much. We don't really know what's going to happen with Erica. We don't really know what's going to happen with the shop.
1: I think it's intended to be a series, so maybe they're not tied up for a reason.
0: Yeah, I think this is the first in a series, but the level of done. I think could have been higher for me. I didn't feel particularly satisfied at the end. I don't particularly like stories that have
1: cliffhangers in general unless I know the series is done. I have been burned too many times. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would call it a cliffhanger in the romance sense because you do get the couple together you know at the end so if you're reading it for the romance story then it ended for sure but a lot of the elements in the story a lot of the external factors didn't get resolved really at all
1: no i agree with you i don't think they did either yeah i mean definitely in the romance sense it's not cliff hung is that (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) no cliff hanged i i don't know (laughs) i like cliff hung better it's more fun to say,
0: you did get the happy ever after, <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> so are you happy for their happy M?
1: Uh, I don't know. i mean i'm I'm okay that I'm okay that they got together. I really enjoyed their their sort of youthful playfulness, uh-huh, but I don't. I don't know if I really feel like they earned their happily ever after. I think it was it was just sort of like, well, it's the end of the story. He he knitted this thing for you. Eh? You know, that's a little bit how it feels and I think that's because so much didn't feel completed. Like I know technically it was the business was renovated, but that almost didn't really feel like it happened. I don't necessarily feel that they were emotionally
0: upset to be apart from one another. We didn't really get a good sense of pining.
1: No, it was just sort of we're almost 30 and we like each other. I've got a ring. I I didn't feel very invested it's so frustrating because I really liked the characters. I don't know why. I I don't know why I didn't invest. I don't know why I was so. Well, they're together. <laughs> what about you? Are you happy for their happy? Not
0: really. I don't feel invested at all. I just feel kind of like okay, good, good for you, yay. I don't feel like they really had chemistry. It felt like they just kind of started fucking because they lived together. Yeah. And they both thought the other was attractive. Fucking of convenience. I don't know if that's really fair. I think a big part of the story for me is I know what Carrie thinks about Jesse. I know what Jesse thinks about Carrie. So there was nothing left for me to figure out or consider or be worried about. And so I wasn't invested because I didn't have to wonder. Yeah,
1: I wonder if... Since the characters, I know at the start of the story, both of them really wanted to assume the mantle of adulthood. And I'm wondering if one of the reasons I'm not as invested and not as, as happy for their happy is because I don't feel like they achieved that. So it feels more like they're still kids sort of practicing at relationship rather than adults who are ready to commit.
0: I think that's fair because now that you say that one of the things I usually really like in a romance story is seeing the couple as a couple and in this book Hmm. we don't really they're never really a couple
1: they're denying their coupleness through most of it right in fact like towards the end when Jesse is telling his brothers like I'm gonna go get Carrie you know I love her his brothers are actually protective of Carrie they're like you you can't. She is an angel. She is, you know, they've put her on this pedestal. And one of the things that I liked about Jesse was where he's like, no, no, she's a person. And they're just like, no, no, she's, she's Carrie. You know, (laughs) she's not a person. She is the pedestal topper. (laughs) And so I liked that in that moment because jesse's like no no she's recognizing her personhood which i like that because that to me felt like a a more mature outlook on their relationship definitely i'm trying to think if carrie has that same moment and i don't know if she does i know she defends jesse a lot of course she never put jesse on a pedestal no
0: she had these low expectations for him and i think that by him professing his love for her publicly she was able to realize that he actually had feelings for her
1: part of the me thing of me reading this is public proclamations of love like that that almost seems like it's more about the show than it is about the romance between the two characters so it makes it feel almost not disingenuous but like
0: i don't know i can see why you would lean that way but i think for me especially in this instance i think it was him taking accountability for his feelings okay by telling the world how he felt then he couldn't hide from it okay yeah that makes more sense yeah i think you're right you know he's being public about his feelings instead of keeping it under wraps because if you don't tell anyone then it's easier to pretend it never happened want to be my secret lover (laughs) kind of yeah and a little bit of it i think too is that dramatic overture like you're talking about but in a way that's almost like a a romantic gesture i think kind of like uh you know that scene in 10 things i hate about you where he dances in the bleachers yes such a good scene and he does that to apologize for being an ass now that is stuck in my head (laughs) i can't get it out get it out (laughs) but because it's so public It's not a secret, and so there's accountability there.
1: I completely agree with you. Now I'm hearing a band playing in my head. (laughs) (laughs) You can't see it, but I'm dancing.
0: So let's rate them. Okay. How would you rate Jesse?
1: Oh, Jesse, I I put awkward on the way to awesome, maybe. I think he's trying. I think he needs more story <laughs> <laughs> in order for... I mean, it's supposed to be part of a series, so maybe that will happen. But I know typically with romance, it follows another character, so I don't know. Like, I don't know if the series is going to keep following Jesse and Carrie, in which case... Maybe he'll achieve said awesome.
0: What about you? I rated him meh. <laughs> oh, poor Jesse. I didn't dislike him. I didn't think he was awful at all. I didn't think he was awesome. I didn't think he was awkward. I just thought, eh, I don't care. Hot knitting boy. Yay.
1: And both Jesse and Carrie's cases, I don't know if they ended up achieving their goal. So that's why I feel like it's awkward. It feels incomplete. How would you rate Carrie? The same. Yeah. Awkward on the way to awesome. I think that's what it is, is I feel like their journeys are just not done. I feel like I got a snapshot of them at this point in their life, but I don't know if they really got to where they wanted to go. All I have to offer is awkwardness. What about you?
0: I rated her meh plus. Oh. <laughs> the plus is positive. It means ah. she's... Better than Jesse. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I realize that could seem like go either way, but in my head, <laughs> it means she's a slightly less meh than Jesse.
1: Yay. <laughs>
0: I do feel like I have a better sense of who she is than I do with Jesse. Mm-hmm. I do feel like she has a bit more of a story arc than Jesse. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Jesse goes on his apology tour, but Carrie goes from finishing her degree to getting a real job to deciding she actually doesn't want that.
1: Yeah, I think at the this- start of the story like she's supposed to be more of a wallflower which i think even within that first chapter like as soon as damien and jesse are acting hostile to each other she like jumps in the middle like very assertively and is like no don't do this mama joy wouldn't want you to do this she
0: steps up I think that with with Mama Joy having died, there's a, a hole, you know, and she steps up to, to help out. Yeah, she doesn't want
1: to be Mama Joy, even though the boys sort of cast her in that role at different times
0: and in different ways. Yeah, I agree. She doesn't want to take her place, but she does step up to try to fill those shoes in a way. She
1: does. I think by the end of the story, though, Jesse really does.
0: He does. What about the antagonists? I have
1: the antagonist basically is like damien the bank and erica but they're not really and and frankly jesse and carrie i think more than any of those others jesse and carrie are their own worst enemies (laughs) they're what stands in the way of themselves
0: oh totally what about you and the antagonists so for me the most interesting antagonist was erica because she was just like she kept popping in and trying to, like, insert herself into Jesse's life. Yeah, she's one of, if not the most assertive character. And we don't really have a good sense of why. No, I wish we did. And but... that kind of makes her a bit interesting, I think. Yeah. Because we don't, like, we're left wondering, what's her deal? Because she doesn't really seem bad, no. like a bad person. no. no. She's just there, like, hello, I am here, pay attention to me. Really wish we had had more of Erica, I guess, or more development with that character. I would have liked to see Erica and Carrie become friends.
1: It seems like Carrie was trying to, like, at the end, with the big shindig that they have at the reopening, like, Carrie saves a seat for her. I don't know if Erica's too pleased with that, so I think Carrie would be open to a friendship with Erica. I think, I think that... the dynamic would be very interesting between erica and val (laughs) that would be fun i think
0: so because i think they're both big personalities
1: i would really enjoy that (laughs) i would really enjoy a val centered story
0: oh yeah oh i'm sure she hooks up with one of the brothers probably
1: damien probably (laughs) that that would be an enjoyable story i would enjoy reading that
0: i also put damien on the list I think that he was the foil to Jesse's character. Oh, you know totally. Jesse is the lazy screw up type character and Damien is Mr. the responsibility hard worker with a chip on his shoulder. And then um, I agree that the the loan, like the bank, that's the biggest obstacle they have to overcome is saving the shop i suppose
1: yeah and they had plans for like small scale renovations but is that small scale because not a lot of money is available where's the money you know because that could have been a point of tension too like oh we wish we could do this but we can't how can we maximize what we can do with how much we have yeah, instead
0: it was kind of just like accepted like this is what we have to spend so we will do this small scale yeah we who I wanted to be more
1: invested in the renovation itself in the business so how did you rate the book as a whole well I rated primarily on enjoyment and and the characters which for the most part I really enjoyed so I gave the book a 3.5 okay that's pretty
0: good I think so it's really good for you actually yes
1: yes it is I'm a hard ass I don't know I don't know what I am (laughs)
0: What about you? How did you rate the book? So I kind of waffled a bit. Um, I ended up giving this book a 2. It's probably closer to a 1.5 for me. Okay. And it's primarily because it was so hard for me to to keep reading it. Oh, well, fair enough. I just found it really boring to read. I mean, that's, that's a big part of how I rate, you know? Did I want to read it? Did I enjoy reading it? And if we weren't going to be talking about it, I wouldn't have finished it so i definitely
1: still would have finished but yeah i understand why those are a factor those have been factors for me in previous ratings how much am i looking yeah. forward to reading this book you know and for some it was oh
0: i'm really looking forward to it too and the reason i leaned up into the two versus the one is really for the the characterization in the story i think that the author did a really good job with the characters and they're really the best part of the story there is no story just characters though (laughs)
1: i'm inclined to agree that there was not as much story structure as have
0: been in previous books that we've read for me it was like ordering a hamburger and discovering there's no meat in the bun no that's fair enough but what was there was well written
1: yeah i really felt like she captured the characters that she had in the story very well There was nothing sort of propelling the characters forward, unfortunately. Yeah. So I'm a little sad to ask this, but did you
0: feel romanced? No, not really. I think it just boils down to the fact that we had nothing to worry about for these characters. We knew they liked each other throughout the whole story, even though they didn't admit it to each other. And there wasn't a whole lot of chemistry. There wasn't a whole lot of romantic tension, so... What about you? Did you feel romanced? Well, no, but I so rarely do.
1: <laughs> I, I did enjoy their interactions, like their playfulness, but it didn't add up to a feeling of romance for me. So what else have you been reading? I have been reading a book. It's called Broad Strokes, although I have in my notes Stokes, so you'll want to add an R. <laughs> Okay, so it's about 15 women who made art and made history in that order. And it's by Bridget Quinn. And so it's it's really fascinating. And a little bit sad at times, because how many of these women artists? have been overlooked or true story things that are incorrect about them because oh she was a painter who had excellent skill and she lived in this country at the same time these guy painters you know were also really good at what they were doing so clearly <laughs> she must have been their lover of course, of course. Cause she has to get her talent from them it's like wait what Artists like Artemisia, and then Edmonia Lewis. Her, her, the death of Cleopatra, which is a marble sculpture, mm. is eerily lovely. Cause that's the thing with marble sculpture is it can look really creepily realistic. <laughs> You know, because they can yes. get contours and especially if you give it the right lighting. But I mean, it's it's stunning. So who else was awesome? I think you'd really like the art of Ruth Asawa. She does wire sculpture. You should Google her. Oh, cool. I think you would really appreciate the symmetry of her art. I will do that. Yeah, it's just it was amazing to learn about all of these women artists.
0: Look up their art and be like, oh, that's incredible. So yay. What about you? What are you reading? So I'm in the middle of The Russian Cage by Charlene Harris, and it's the third in the Gunny Rose Ooh. series. This story picks up with the main character, Lizbeth, who is a kind of like a mercenary for hire sort of character. But she learns that her sort of not really boyfriend, but lover has been imprisoned. Oh. And so she goes to rescue him. The interesting thing about the series, it takes place in an alternate history, and in this history, the United States broke up as a country, and the West Coast became its own country, and it actually became uh, the Holy Russian Empire. Oh. So instead of comrade. the Tsar getting murdered, they found refuge in California and ended up turning that into their new country. <laughs> huh and it's kind of interesting too uh this particular story takes place in san diego and there are uh, references to places in san diego that if you have been there or lived there or whatever you would find recognizable so that was kind of fun too interesting but it's very good of course it is because it's by (laughs) charlene harris Uh, She is enjoyable. She really is. (laughs) She really is. But this story is ramping up. We're learning a bit more about different characters that were introduced in prior books. And I'm not sure if she plans to write more. I kind of hope so. But this is book three. I'm assuming maybe it
1: feels like it'll go past trilogy stage because didn't she do that one vampire book that was a trilogy the midnight texas
0: yeah she did she did do a trilogy which was also very good this book i haven't finished mm-hmm. it yet but i'm hopeful that it will continue it seems like there's more there okay. that could be told so we'll hopefully see. she continues with it fingers crossed so that's it for this episode check out our website romancemepodcast.com for show notes other episodes and our upcoming reads join
1: us next time when we discuss The Code for Love and Heartbreak by Jillian Cantor bye, bye. I feel like my
0: energy level is
1: so down. yeah I must
0: admit
1: I'm giving a little <laughs> It's been a long week, (laughs) and I didn't get much of an (laughs) egg.